Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This week, episode 331, we have an interview with Tori O'Neill, and we're calling it the Mighty Dames. This week, we have a special week. Uh, it's only Joe and I. Um, you know, the two amigos, uh, the dynamic duo, whatever else you want to call us, but uh, we are here to uh, have a great show. Yeah, there's only two of us, but you get 95% of the uh, quality and, and talent, so only two out of three of us, but 95%. I would probably say a little bit higher, Joe. I think you're uh, overestimating Byron's abilities, so I'd probably be like 99.5%. Yeah, I like round numbers, but yeah. really I'm with you. There's no way he's 5% of the show. Yeah, yep. And like what most people have told me, um, you know, if we go by the looks, he adds 0% to the looks of the show. Um, go by voice, you know, they say he probably adds maybe a basis point, no 1%. Um, and you go by content, and same thing. They say he has very, very little, almost nothing. So um, um, really, you're probably getting a better show, and uh, and uh, let's just enjoy it. Let's do that. Um, you know, and, and speaking of uh, getting the best of the two out of three, that reminds me of our quote for the week. And the quote is, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And I kind of like that quote because it's sort of a clever play on words. But I think it just kind of means it's really difficult to change people. But if you're surrounded by a group of people that are not helping you achieve your goals, you know, it's not good for you, the crowd that you're with, you can change the people that are around you. And it doesn't always take a wholesale change, but I think that's part of the reason why uh, people are happier once they get into jiu-jitsu. Not necessarily that they get rid of their old friends. Maybe their old friends are fine. But they've added a new element of friends. I love the fact that I go to jiu-jitsu and I'm on the mats with guys that uh, have law degrees and guys that are welders and you know guys that are 55 years old and have grandkids and guys that are 22 years old and expecting their first child. And I think that diversity of friends is a great thing. So I don't know about you, Gary, but that's one of the things I love about jiu-jitsu. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, um, you know, the diversity of the people I meet in jiu-jitsu. And uh, like you said, you'll have a 55-year-old grandfather and you'll have a 19-year-old kid expecting their first child. Um, you know, you'll have a lawyer, you'll have a police officer, you'll have a correctional officer, you'll have a teacher. Um, you know, you have somebody who works at, a, a, you know, a local convenience store. There's just such a diverse uh people that i probably would not meet unless i was at jiu-jitsu um but joe on this quote it it's another uh made me start thinking about kind of like what i do at work um you know i can't change the people i work with unless i fire them or they fire me um one of the two but you know i don't have to be around them and you know like what i've always said at work is you know we don't have to be best friends all we got to do is put in eight to twelve hours a day of you know working together and trying to create a create a team atmosphere and afterwards we all go home and do our stuff but you know one thing that always drives me crazy is if at lunchtime i'll go down in the, the break room at my building and man i just hear so many people complaining um you know about this about that maybe about the job maybe about home life whatever and it just brings me down um 
you know, I personally don't like to be around, you know, negative attitudes. It just puts me down. So I, I just go home for lunch every day. And everybody asks me why I go home for lunch, especially when I live a little farther away. And it's it's that 100 percent this quote right here. Um, you know, I just don't want to be around negative thoughts. I need to be around positive thoughts. And that's why I go home and hang out with my dog. My dog is always positive, always smiling and ready to see me. Yep. The more I'm around people, the more I love my dog. <laughs> hey, that could be our quote for next week. <laughs> yeah, you know, but Gary, that that's a real simple example of how you're implementing this philosophy. You know, you you've identified there's an hour of your day where you can hang around some people that are negative, and we all know that has a, a an effect on on us. Or you can choose to go home and, and spend the time with yourself, who I guess are pretty good company, but I'm sure, you know, summertime, your kids are home. I don't know what your wife does, but whatever you're doing, you're getting yourself out of that negative environment. Well, Joe, my wife's a school teacher and it's, I like it better during the school year when I can come home and just hang out with my dog. (laughs) And the good thing is I know my wife will not be listening. So uh, if she is, I may never be on another episode again because I'll probably be buried somewhere next to Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> You'll just be in the doghouse, and you can record plenty of BJJ Brick episodes <laughs> from there. So, yep, I get uh, good uh, Wi-Fi out there, so uh, we are good. Uh, speaking of having good Wi-Fi, um, basically with your good Wi-Fi, you should order Byron's audiobook. You know, I know he wasn't here, and we kind of trashed him a little bit earlier, but we were just kidding. Uh, Byron is awesome person, awesome uh, BJJ brick or bjj practitioner head of the bjj brick uh he is a black belt in bjj and he has a couple different books uh on audiobooks that's in the bjj brick store he has six games for bjj and your first year of bjj when first year of bjj is his first one he uh, put out and you know byron's goal has always been to grow jujitsu um he wants to get as many people on the mat and try it out as possible. The more people that try it out, the more people that will cross over it and keep training. So uh, that's kind of why he put that one out, uh, because there are a lot of people who do quit during that first year. And he wanted to make it easier for everybody to have fun, get the most out of their first year, and hopefully, you know, keep training. Um, so check it out. Um, it's in our BJJ Brick store. It's about two hours of content, um, and it's called Your First Year in BJJ, and it'll make that year so much more rewarding, um, and uh, hopefully you'll stick on the mats. Uh, you know, we, we, we joke a lot of times, but Christmas is coming up, and who knows when this airs, it'll probably be about Christmas time, but uh, it's always a good present to get for your training partners, and it's got a lot of good reviews and uh, helped out a lot of people. Man, Gary, are you saying today is not Christmas? Today is really not Christmas. Because uh, I, I, I opened presents this morning and had all my children over. Did you? <laughs> I, I did, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I work in an offshore industry. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be gone on the 25th. So uh, that, I, that reminded me I was going to tell you Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Joe. And so let's uh, backtrack. Today is Christmas, and uh, I think Joe has opened his presents so far today, and, and I have not. But, uh, you know, this uh, uh, first year at BJJ would be a great gift to uh, give somebody for the holidays. Yeah, I have a challenge for anybody listening who may be six, eight, ten months in, and you're discouraged, and you're wondering if you're going to stick with this. And trust me, we've all been there. But if you're at that point, 
you've already spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on jujitsu. You've paid six or eight, ten months of fees at the school. You've bought a gi or two, some no-gi stuff. $10 for a book is not going to hurt, going to kill your budget. So before you quit, if you're discouraged, if you're eight months in, you're thinking about quitting, go ahead and buy this book and give it a listen because it's likely that you've been running into some things that Byron addresses in this book and that's what's causing you the discouragement. Um, so you, you might find a key here that'll open up a, a lifelong journey, a, a good journey in jujitsu. I like that, Joe. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, and what I'd also say too is the next person who thinks they're going to quit, you know, send us a uh, send us an email bjjbrick at gmail dot com, and uh, I'll buy you buy you a copy. Um, you know, to see how it works. Um, so yeah, next person who uh, feels like that, just uh, send us an email, and, and I'll take care of it for you. I'd, we don't want you to quit. We want you to keep keep going. Um, and uh, I really like that, Joe. That's kind of a neat idea. I never really thought about that. Man, you can't beat that, you know. And if you've been doing some uh, quarter mile racing lately, and, and you're getting discouraged in that, just go ahead and send us an email. Gary will buy you a new car, and I'm sure that'll uh, encourage you, and you can continue on with your racing dreams. Yeah, and if you're having trouble, you know, fishing or, or anything of that stuff, uh, just send us an email, and Joe will buy you a brand new boat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think he. I think before we came on the show, I think he mentioned a yacht. But uh, you know, we'll we'll take whatever Joe gives us. Man, this is the Christmas edition. <laughs> you know, the, we always are giving there, Joe. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of giving, I love jujitsu athletes that give back to the community. I think Tori O'Neill is doing that. She started a, a group called the Mighty Dames. Um, similar, I think, to, to Girls and Geese. Uh, you should check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. She is our guest for this week, and Byron had a conversation with her, so let's roll the interview. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Tori O'Neill to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Tori, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to have you. Uh, you, were, you were mentioned to me by uh, a, a previous podcast guest and uh sent you the message and i'm glad you responded you uh run a a facebook group or also a website just kind of a community uh called the mighty dames um i guess i'd like to introduce kind of you as a person and a grappler first and we'll talk about that so tell me this a little bit about uh tori o'neill okay well like i mentioned my name's tori o'neill um i'm a purple belt training out of eustace florida at grappling mastery and that's under brian Ruscio. I've been training about five years now, and um, I got into jujitsu after after I got out of grad school. I came back home and I wanted to. I've always I was a, I was a big wrestling fan. That was my thing. I loved wrestling, pro wrestling as a kid, and then freestyle, Olympic, you know, collegiate wrestling when I got older. And <laughs> once I realized Florida is not the state to try to find a wrestling school at. I fell into jujitsu and just never stopped. Were there any like initial hurdles with uh, starting jujitsu or did you just find it very enjoyable and, and pick it up fairly easy? Um, it was actually, I started using it at like the perfect time because I, like I said, I just got out of school and I remember, um, right before graduation, I had been saving because I wanted to take a year off and do nothing. So I had a lot of free time, Everything was like perfect. The only, my only real barrier was just like getting over the closeness, like the 
you know, person on person thing. That was that took me a couple months to get over. But after that, it was just like, yeah, this is it for me. Yeah, I can see that. That's just something that it, it, most people can get over. But if somebody can't, mm-hmm. that, that is an issue. And I, I just yeah, people in general, when somebody's new, maybe it's not a good idea to just kind of smother them the entire time. Because <laughs> you might just oh, like, yeah. like give them some, a little bit of space to, so they can like adapt to what's happening. Uh, it makes it a little easier to be a new person if you're kind of first get your foot in the pool before you just jump in the deep end. Oh, absolutely. It's like, like, this is not for everyone. And like me, if you have any type of personal space issues, um, and you want to do jujitsu, you have to get over it quickly. You just, you, you won't be able to do it. And I was lucky to find a good gym that they made you feel really comfortable and, um, have a really great, my first like real training partner was, um, her name's Rita and she's like five foot, nothing full of fun. And, um, she just made it so enjoyable that you, it was almost impossible to be uncomfortable. Well, that's good. That's a good training environment to be in. Uh, Tori, tell me a yeah. little bit about your game. What what style of jiu-jitsu do you like to play? Ooh, okay. Um, people always like, they, they joke, but um, I have a very, very basic game. Um, I do love doing wrestling. I love wrestles, throwing, doing throws, but um, I, as I am a heavyweight, so I do have a very top-heavy pressure game. Um, I'm a grinder. I love racking up points. That's perfectly fine for me. Um, so I do a lot of, I do a lot of my work from side control, top side. Um, I'm starting now to work on the bottom, but really just to make me more well rounded. It's not like I don't want to hang out there. It's purely, um, transitional positioning that I'm working on right now. That's good. That's always a, a good uh, something that you're going to be doing forever in jujitsu is being able to transition yeah. and and to do those things. Mm-hmm. That, that's always a good use of your time and your training energy. Absolutely. I um, you know, when you first get in, you're like, oh, I wish I could do this and I wish I could do that. And then I was like, yeah, I'm six one. You know, pushing at the time I was like two forty. I was like, I'm not gonna be running. I'm not gonna be throwing my legs up for an arm ball all easy like that. It's not. Mm. It's not going to work for me, but what we can do is we can get on, si- on the side control <laughs> and we can, work, we can work some head and arm. Tra- like we can do that. Like let's do that. So kind of learned what worked best with my body very, very early on. Yeah. that And that's uh, another way to just kind of make things easier on yourself is to mm-hmm. take an honest assessment. assessment. What's going to be good for for my body type. It, it, and maybe some people listening are very fast and kind of wiry. And maybe that mm-hmm. the arm bars or the flying arm bars, whatever is something that they, that they're doing all the time. Uh, me, I don't invert at all. Not that oh, I, God, no. I, I <laughs> but it's, it's, Maybe I could. Maybe I could. I could develop that. But uh, having some issues with my lower back from time to time, it's like eh, that's not going to be. It's not going to be a wise thing for me to spend time and energy towards developing. I'd rather work on something that you know, like back control or or guard passing more yeah. often than not. And, and so, just look at yourself. Say, what am I going to be good at? You know, and and and, and what is likely to fit my uh, body type or my play style, and work on developing that. That's the smart thing to do. Absolutely. And like, I'm very bottom heavy. So a lot of my weight settles in my hips and thighs. And like, I am slow. Like, I'm fast-ish for a big girl, but I am slow. I know I'm slow. I have no illusions. You will see my, again, I'm all legs too. So you will see my legs coming if I'm trying to throw this whole thigh up. 
to get an arm bar. So I was like, you know, let's just who are we fooling, Tori? Like, <laughs> unless it's a perfect situation, let's let's not do anything crazy here. But there's there's still value in in knowing those arm bars and those things because oh, people are going to do those to you, and just by being able to kind oh, yeah. of reconstruct it from you know reverse engineer it. Absolutely, and that goes back to like my whole my whole thing about being really solid on fundamentals. Like, like with everyone, there's a bunch of things I don't like, but I make it a point to to drill those almost even more than the stuff that I do like, so that I don't have an excuse. You know, I can't say like, oh, I don't like arm bars, so I just never drill arm bars. It's like, no, I hate arm bars, so I'm going to drill them so I know exactly what I need to do. And um, if someone comes at me, I know the counters and all that as well. So like. I respect it, but I strongly dislike it. I see. <laughs> that's uh, that it's makes a sense. Weird, but yeah, that's how I that's that's how I process a lot of yeah. moves. Um, so you started the Mighty Dames. What what is that? So um, the Mighty Dames is in um, it's, it's more than online now, but it's a community of female heavyweights. Um, when I started the when I started jujitsu um, back in 2014 now, after my first year or so, I was realizing how rare my body type was. Like um, like I mentioned, right now I'm 6'1". Well, I'm probably like pushing 280 right now. Um, I've gained a little <laughs> since starting. But um, I realized there weren't a lot of other female heavyweights in my area, or at least I didn't know any. So I did this little blog and I got a lot of response out of it. So I was like, wow, I wish there was a community that I could talk to some of these other girls who had more experience than me, who could, um, you know, help me out with finding types of clothing that I can wear, tricks that work for them, um, find out where they're competing so I don't drive somewhere for nothing. And so I just literally just one day I was sitting at home and I made up a little thing and it's called it the Mighty Dames. Like, oh, that sounds cool. And I made a group and women started joining and not just heavyweight women. We have all body types and um, it turned into this really awesome community of support. That's awesome. And I think that's one uh, definite benefit of uh, Internet and social media, this sort of things, is that um, you feel like there's nobody around me that that is quite like me. But you can look online and there's like a lot of people that that, yeah. that, that you could relate to and share common stories and, and frustrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and even like I said, I'm in Florida. So when I as soon as I put that out, I was surprised at how many people in Florida responded to it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're like 45 minutes from me. That's cool. Well, I'm coming over. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've I've met a lot of really, really fantastic women through there. And, um, I've gotten, you know, it, I can't even explain how much it helped. Um, not only in my development as jujitsu, but in my, um, ongoing struggles with, um, body confidence and body image and having these other women who can kind of relate and, um, again, be there for support. It's, it's, it's made all the difference in the world. That's awesome. And so before, uh, the mighty dames, was was just to a beneficial for your your body image and and your confidence or was did it kind of was it negative mm. or positive it kind of just was i wouldn't say it was negative but i wouldn't say it was positive either 
Um, because first, you know, that introduction year, like you're getting so much stuff thrown at you. And, um, when you're coming into jujitsu and you're a heavier girl, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I was super self-conscious right off the bat because you are, you're up on these people. You, you don't even know. You're like, you're literally on top of strangers. And, um, so for me, for trying to get over my, my, um, self-awareness, like my body, just like being near people was one thing. The other thing was realizing that at that time I was maybe, I was only like 240, which is, it's, that's really light for me. Um, and the idea of, I had to like lay on top of people and I was afraid that they were going to make a comment or they're going to comment on my weight or they're going to make that like, kind of sound. And, you know, you know, you don't want it. No one wants you, someone to comment on their body in a negative way. So I was really afraid that was going to happen. And we only had like three girls at the time. So I was mostly training with the guy. So that was a whole other level of discomfort. It's like, okay, now not only am I getting close, I'm getting close with men. But once I kind of got out of my own head, and again, when I realized no one really made any comments or anything like that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe it's I can do this. Like, all right, we can continue now. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm sure that's a, a shared uh, concern with, with a lot of people. Like <laughs> it, it, it is, is, is it, yeah. you don't want to hear negative things about yourself that like that. And, and uh, is this going to happen? And your, your team sounds like they're great, mm-hmm. they're great people to be around. Oh yeah, man. Team grappling mastery. They're, they're the goats. They're, they're, um, man, they're so supportive and, um, you, that I feel like that right there was the main difference because you can, you, you can get stuck with your personality well, and it can ruin the sport for you. And I was just really fortunate to find the right gym at the right time. I see. So, uh, tell, t- tell me a little bit about, uh, Mighty Dames as far as what, um, I guess what you've learned from it or what you've gotten from it or, or how it's helping people or, or share some stories about that, about the Mighty Teams, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it kind of operates, um, it's super organic. I, I rarely do anything other than repost, um, fo- training photos, um, stories that someone tells. One of the things that, um, you know, um, being African-American in the sport, being, um, in the LGBT community, I always had an issue with um, representation. Like even as a kid, I wanted to see myself reflected. So when I meant, when I moved into the jujitsu space, I wanted to see someone like me succeeding, like someone with my body type succeeding. So I thought it was very important to show um, these pictures of women going through their everyday things. So we make sure to um, every time someone gets a, prom- a promotion, whether it's a stripe or a belt, I say, please send me your picture. We share it on our main page and on our um, Instagram. Um, whenever the people have training pictures, whenever people have good days, bad days, um, stories they want to tell, we always reshare it. Um, one of the really cool things that we have we have on our have on our website is we call we have this thing called the um, Mighty Dame Locator Locator Map. Yeah. So what it is is it's yeah yeah it's pretty awesome. So um, I got this idea from looking at other other websites, and I was um. I was noticing like I, I travel a lot for work work and, and I was like, man, it would be awesome 
to not just go to a gym, but go to a gym where I knew someone and I knew that I needed to be at least one other heavyweight woman. So that's why we came up with the locator map. So it's literally just a map of women throughout the country. We have some people in Australia and in, um, in the UK now as well. And what it is, is it names, gives you the name of a dame who is at the gym, the name of the gym, their, um, like the contact person's information so that like, hey, I'm going to be traveling in Ohio. We go to the website, click on there, see what gyms are in the Ohio area. And I can go to Facebook and contact contact that girl. Like, how, like hey, I'm going to be up there next week. Is there any way I can swing by for a role? That we're a little less self-conscious moving into the gym. So, um, yeah, we're in the process of updating that. So we should have, have up to, um, when it's all said and done, up to 50, 50 schools throughout the world. So, and it, it just grows every day. So it's really awesome. Yeah, that looks like an interesting tool to to be able to use um, to travel and to and to, to find somebody that's in the same, uh, I guess, like sub community of jujitsu because jujitsu is one big community, and then there's lots of yeah. uh, other ones. But build it like if you're like, where do I train? Uh, train here because that's you already have a friend there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, because I mean, I live in a pretty rural area, so there's only a couple of gyms here. But like, for instance, if I've had people. People say, people say, hey, I'm going to be in Orlando. Where's, I'm going to go train in Orlando. If I'm a person, I don't know what Orlando's like. There's literally dozens of schools in, like, in Orlando. It's like, it would be nice to know, like, hey, this is one school where there's someone you kind of know through this group who, who will at, very, at the very minimum you have a name and someone you know who will partner up with you. Because you know? that's another thing. You kind of like walk into a gym. You're like, hey, here for an open mat strangers so can i roll with you or is that not do we not do that here you kind of can like know the etiquette as well because you know you know you never know what a gym is like it's like hey can i wear my gi do or you have colors we need to, we need to wear like you're like it, it makes that barrier of entry a lot easier yeah that that, that is the and i've when i travel um Typically, I end up places I don't know anybody, <laughs> and I, I do like yeah. to call and say so, and, and try to get those things established. Like, what do I bring? What do I need? Uh, what are some of the the, yeah. the norms or etiquette that is I is it a mat fee? Yeah, you don't want to go in there and make everybody mad at you. <laughs> exactly. Like, like we all know it's like when you see a new person come to the gym. What happens? What happens? Everyone looks like who's that? Who's that person? person? Say you have someone you can meet, like, hey, I'll meet you outside, and you can walk into the gym together. You know where the changing room is. You know, you know they can kind of introduce you to people. And I mean, jujitsu is pretty welcoming too. I've, I've definitely, I definitely will say that, especially the women's community. But I mean, any little tip or hint or you know, helping hand you can get along the way. I mean, like, why not? So um, that's that's one of the big things that the locator map is for. Yeah. Tori, what is one of the more common things that people uh, will come to the Mighty Dames and say, uh, like, I'm struggling with this? Uh, and then how do you respond to that? What's a common common struggle that, that uh, they're having? And then, and then how do you help them? Yeah, one of the most um, – we get two main things that come up when um, people first come to the Dames. One of them is girls just asking, like, what can I do or what should I do? in various situations. Um, a lot of them are new to the sport. Um, we see this in women's jujitsu a lot too, is they're, they're probably at, at they're kind 
kind of heavy, like are they're at their heaviest. So they don't, they're, they're, they're a little self-conscious. So, so they're looking for basic advice and support. You know, they, they, it's hard sometimes to ask someone to just like, just give you a, add a girl or good job or keep pushing. But a lot of the time that's exactly, that's just what they need. They want someone, they want to know there's someone in their corner who is like them, who has been there. Um, the other thing that people ask a lot is, does anyone know anything to fit my body type? Um, man, jujitsu is expensive and it's really, it's, it's a, it's a special kind of annoyance when you spend your money on something and it does not fit at all. Or, um, like I have to buy a mismatched geese, um, cause my top's different than my bottom. So when I first got into jujitsu and I brought, I bought a gi and it didn't match at all. Like the pants barely went over my thighs. I was so bummed. And so a lot of the girls will come in and ask like, Hey, what brand works for you? My body type is this and this, or, Hey, I have big thighs. What brand has good pants for that? So it's either general advice or what kind of clothes fit. That's those are the big ones that they ask. And that, have you found a, uh, a gi a manufacturer that you seem to recommend more than others? Yeah. Um, Phenom, Phenom Gi is um that's definitely the one that people end up um suggesting the most. Um War Tribe's another one, but with Phenom you can do the I don't know who else does this. You can mitch you can decide like, hey, I need an A4 top and A5 bottom, or I'm like an A2 short, something like that. So you can kind of customize it a little bit better. Um they're like the only gi company I've ever found that has pants that fit me comfortably. So that's always the first one that I recommend and um, always tell the ladies like, hey, it, it doesn't take much to go take your, your pants or your jacket to go get hemmed or taken in some. So, yeah, Phenom definitely. And, um, yeah, that's that's for geese. That's mostly what we, we recommend. All right, I didn't even ask you, are, do, you do you typically train gi or no gi? It just says your, your, what do you prefer? Uh, I stubbornly um, train <laughs> gi mostly. Okay. I'm not – Gee, I mean, I, I have a, I have like a, a love hate hate relationship with the gee. I hate the gee so much. It's so stuffy and hot, and like I said, because it's, I have to struggle to find one that fits. But um, oh god, I hate to compete in no gee. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible for me. So um, I stubbornly train gee mostly. Why do you think that uh, you're you have more struggles with the, without the gee? Um, mostly again, like, cause I'm super slow Okay. and, um, no gi moves way too fast for me. Um, it, um, I like my grips. So being, um, with, with my game, it's, it's, um, it is kind of a wrestle heavy, um, grinding pressure type thing and, and like trying to get a good grip on someone, man, with no gi, it just slips right off. Especially if you get these girls who are super fast it is like impossible to hold some of these flexible girls down to the ground without like a little bit of a little bit of gi pressure or without like just sliding all over the mat because of your own no gi stuff. So it's so it's like, oh man, like I hate the gi, but I need that little bit of friction. That little bit of friction helps so much. <laughs> Tori, do you typically uh, do the absolute in your weight class or? Yeah, I, I always do. Um, I don't I don't compete that often. So when I do, I try to do as much as possible. Okay. 
in, in, in your experiences, you mentioned, uh, you know, no gi, somebody who's a lot faster or uh, crazy flexible. Um, what are you, like when you go from grappling in your weight class and you go to, to the uh, open division or the absolute division, um, mentally or, or game plan wise, do you change much or do you just uh, kind of go in there with the same idea? Oh no, I keep the, the, I'm like, I'm not very original. I have the same game plan plan. Um, I was looking back at like old video, like basically since I was a white belt, white belt, it's just more refined. Yeah. It just has a little bit more, um, it has a little bit more skill to it. Like it's, it's a little prettier to look at. Um, but I always go take down pass side control submission. It's literally, that's it. Or neon belly mount submission everything that I do loops back to that cycle. Um, it works for me. I enjoy doing it that way. It, it, if something else comes out, I'm not going to ignore it, but that's kind of a, a game that works for me. And, um, whether I'm in super heavy division or if I'm in open weight division, it kind of stays around that. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I have at this, at this point, I have faith in the game that it works for me. Yeah. And if it ever comes to a point that it doesn't, then I'll change it. Yeah, and and maybe that change is just making it even better. Like you said, like you've just been refining it and making it better and better. But um, I think that's a good way to, to just evaluate your game. And 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 if it's not working, then you you change it or try to improve it or maybe uh, branch off of there to a different direction. Yeah, that's um, it. Used it used to be, you know, when you start off, you do your, you know, you have your key locks, you do or your you do your arm bars or something. So it it went for me just only going to, from to um, key locks from side controller mount to, okay, maybe now we can try some head and arm chokes, or maybe now we can try some straight arm bars. Maybe now we can, you know, dare I say, go for the back, you know, it, but it all kind of starts with let's get into, get into this position that we like. And let's, um, let's see where are we are in our control position. Like, yes, we're in our control position. What's available. Um, so yeah, I, I that's, that's how my uh, um my brain is always very I'm very I'm very like list based or like order based like I I work in a system that's how I've always I've always learned that's how I've always processed things so I don't do well just pulling random techniques and random motions out of my head it just it does not work for me. Yeah, I I also am a fan of uh, having a system. Um, and that for me, it, it changes from time to time, but I have, you know, I get side control. I'm looking mm-hmm. to do one of these two things and not just mm-hmm. a barrage of techniques. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that kind of helps guide my training and development as a grappler, as far as that, having, having a system, having a game plan and, you know, that roadmap to, to get to the, the finish line. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I kind of envy those people who are so sporadic, who can just be like, mm, I think I'll go for this. Cause like, I don't, I can't do it. Like it gives me anxiety thinking to just do random, random, like, Oh, I think I'm going to just jump for it. It's like, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to go. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Tori? Keep it, keep it going. Like I, that's one of the things I'm working on now though, is, um, being more proactive and being a little bit more, um, just going for stuff. But, uh, Oh God, it's, it's been a journey to do that, to do that. Yeah. But you could also just be more aggressive about going for the things that you already are good at. And so like, uh, Absolutely. for me, I might, 
you know, you know, want someone's back. And so site control, I've got them turned away from me. And then I, I know the point where I'm going to get the back. And then I go for it. Mm-hmm. Or I could be like the point where I'll probably get the back and try from it at that, that point. It's a little bit quicker, a little sooner, and maybe uh, develop a better back take overall because um, I, I have a wider range to, to get the back instead of just get it to where it's perfect. I can get it to where it's pretty good, and then I could usually get the back. Like kind of just pull the trigger a little earlier on, on your attack just one way to just increase the amount um, that you're getting there. Yeah, I'm definitely that person where it's like, where it's like, if it's not like 80%, I struggle to like, like Tori, just do it. Like, just go for it. So that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. That's what I meant is like, I'm trying to realize like, look, there is no situation where everything is going to, it's it's very rare that everything is going to be perfect. Just go for it. Like, just be a little more aggressive. Like it's, you're pretty good. Like you have a good shot of getting this go for it. Don't sit there for extra, you know, 10, 15 seconds waiting for this, you know, everything to align just perfectly. Yeah. Tori, you said you like, uh, when, when you go compete, you like to start off and, and wrestle and, and try to get the takedown. Did, did, and you mentioned wrestling yeah. at the beginning as uh, being a fan. Did you wrestle before jujitsu or? No. Okay. I never, I, I didn't wrestle before jujitsu. I came, I came fresh right into a jujitsu. I was a band kid my whole life. I was not a sports person. Um, just did not like any of it. But um, my coach, Brian, um, Brian Russo, he comes from a wrestling background. Um, he wrestled from his youth all the way up until he got his black belt. So um, he implements a lot of wrestling into our training. So it, um, it was really a perfect fit. So um once I realized the the takedowns and the throws that worked for me, it just it, it just like blended perfectly for me. Yeah, that that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you have that. There's there's two ways that I've experienced to get uh, top position when starting from the feet: get the takedown, or just make them frustrated enough to where they pull guard. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, both are okay, but one earning the takedown is always a better thing to do. It is. I never understand when people pull guard on me. Um, I, I get it on some people because people really, really like have faith in their guard. But like sometimes I'm like in these open divisions, and these girls pull me down the guard. I'm like, really? This is where this is where you want to start the match? <laughs> all right, cool. Let's. All right. It, I mean, that works for me. Like I would have preferred to get my takedown, but yeah. All right, let's try to get me off you. Let's go. Yeah. And from uh, from their perspective, maybe they're worried about a a hard takedown or actually yeah. just giving up those two points at the beginning. If yeah. if if I can't take someone down, and it's going to end up on the ground, they're going to get two points in that process. And and so that maybe, but in yeah. reality, they'd be probably better off trying to get to your back while on the feet, or maybe a snap down for working on your neck. Like there's things you could do other than just shoot in for a takedown. Uh, that would probably be smarter thing to do. <laughs> Well, that's why I always say like the like when I do lose, it's 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 really my division that gets me. It's always like a division or two down, and it's because the girls don't. It's the women who don't um, concede to giving me the takedown. Like I, I I have no problem just saying that. It's the ones who are stubbornly up on their feet with me um, because I'm really tall. But I have super narrow feet, so I get I get off balance very easily. And, you know, I've been like I I've, I've had girls throw me like shockingly throw me um 
because they went for the takedown. And like, I love that. I love when they're game with me that way. But um, I also realized that everyone has to do what's best for them, what's best for their body type. But, oh, yeah, I love when people like when I look at someone and they have that little they have that like that line of determination on their face. Like, oh, we're about to go. All right. Let's do this. Let's see how this let's see how this bounces (laughs) out. Yeah. Uh, Tori, tell me a little bit about your favorite traits that some of your training partners have. So what do you look for in a good training partner? Above all things, I appreciate a training partner who is just honest. Tell me what you want to work on. Tell me what you're not comfortable on working on. Um, tell me how long you can be at practice. Tell me we are going to be here. Just, just be honest up and upfront. Like if you're not comfortable drilling something, let me know right ahead. And I'll do the same for you because, um, this is, we are, it's a combat sport. People can get hurt very easily and dealing with, um, sometimes I do have a significant weight advantage on someone. Don't tell me you're comfortable (laughs) drilling, you know, a neon belly drill. And then, you know, I hit your ribs the wrong way and you don't, it it hurts. Like I, 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 my biggest thing is I don't want to hurt anyone, like seriously hurt them. So the, the number one thing I can say is just be honest with your intentions and what you want to do. You will not hurt my feelings. It's cool. That's that's how we start from there. And then after that, it's just, you know what? Let's just don't, while I don't want you to go crazy on me, don't hold back. Roll like I'm any other person. Don't be timid. Don't try to kill me. Just roll. Yeah. And that, and that's how you get good roles is is the you get the people mm-hmm. to roll with you. So uh Yes, yeah. I um definitely, definitely, definitely like that. You know, sometimes people like to go soft on you or sometimes people want to like prove a point. Like just let's, I'm just a normal person at the gym. Let's just do our thing. We can go get a beer after. That's all I want. Yeah, it's uh, and that's something I've um uh, been working on as far as trying to get people on board. Um, getting my wife to grapple sometimes it's her worst mm-hmm. experiences are, uh, when the people don't, I don't want to say don't roll with her, but don't, when she doesn't get to do jujitsu because the person is, is just smashing her or not letting her even yeah. do anything. And so she doesn't want somebody just to let her win or to let her do whatever, but she yeah, does yeah. want some, uh, a little bit of, uh, give and take, um, and I think Absolutely. that's something that, 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 that it's important to do as a teammate to somebody is to not just have the, uh, a rolling session be one sided is to give them a little bit of yeah. give and take, let them work their jujitsu as well. Because I mean, we're training, you know, we're rolling, we're not competing at the moment. So if, if the only one person is getting something out of it, uh, we're doing something wrong here. Absolutely. I, man, I learned this. That's another thing that I, um, I actively worked on doing. Like I don't get anything out of laying inside control over a 125 pound girl just because I can, there is nothing. I'm not gaining anything. They're not getting anything. She's getting frustrated. I'm getting bored. That doesn't benefit anyone for me to be a positive and active training partner. I need to work on skills that, um, I need to work on skills with a smaller person where they can utilize some part of their game. And I can as a game that maybe I don't, you know, I don't use all the time, but there's a hole there. 
So like when I mentioned, um, and it's not just always, always working, working from the back, I mean, working from the bottom. Cause you know, a lot of big people is like, Oh, I'll just work on the bottom. It's not even that it's like, I'll work from, I'll work from their back. Like I'll try to go, like my whole thing is like, let me, let me try to get to the back. Cause I know my back hits aren't that strong and I know they're a good scrambler. So like, that's something that we can actively work on together because if we're not, if there's no game plan in training, I think sometimes people just go into a a practice session and just do these random roles and leave. But I'm again, my, how my brain works, how a system works is I know what I want to work on. And I always ask my, my partners like, Hey, is there anything you want to work on too during this role? So I can make sure that both of us are, you know, both of us are being utilized that way. I mean, I learned that from people who were, you know, ranked higher than me when I got in, that's how they introduced me to rolling. So I thought that's what people did. Until I realized, no, it's not. Some people will just, I mean, I've been smushed training. Some people just smush you for, you know, a five minute roll and smack your hand and say, good job. Yeah. And that, I like how you, you learn that it is from example. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and you, you teach that also by example, uh, just by starting mm-hmm. the round, they're going to work on. And that's, I do that sometimes. And if they say mount attacks, you know what, we're going to start with the mount. And and you're gonna yeah. get to work some mount attacks. If you didn't say that, maybe you didn't get to play mount at all that whole round. And uh, and something that exactly. you had been studying and researching and drilling didn't get to get any action on that topic at all. Exactly, and and that's another great way to like weed out the dumb stuff that you learn on Instagram and the internet. Like you, you see a move <laughs> like, I think this will work. Well, let's try it, and then you do it. It's like, yeah, no, that was bull. Yeah, no, I should not. I should not have done that. And, and you know, it's better to do that with someone you trust than, you know, go to an open mount or go to a tournament and try this random move, you know, and it fail miserably for you. Yeah. So, so Tori, let's just say you have uh, somebody that's, gonna, that's in the Mighty Dames and they're going to compete for the first time. Uh, what advice are, mm-hmm. is the community giving that uh, person to either get ready to compete or, or like maybe the day before, like to mentally be ready and, and be there as a, as a heavyweight, as a female heavyweight, unfortunately, the first thing I tell them is, um, be prepared for there not to be someone there that might happen. Happen. Um, if you don't, like I only do pre-registration tournaments now for that very reason. Okay. But if you sign up for, yeah, if you sign up for one of these tournaments, you might not compete, but it's okay. Okay. Just be prepared for that. Um, secondly, when I get there, I say, um, you know, regardless of the outcome, it is not an indictment on your jujitsu or your jujitsu skills. So you can go in there and just bomb. It does not mean you're terrible at jujitsu. You can go in there and just crush it. It does not mean like you're the, you're the next godsend of jujitsu. But what it is, is a great, um, snapshot of time of where you're kind of at and what you're kind of working with. So like have a realistic, um, expectations of yourself and then unfortunately prepare to maybe not compete. Yeah. That's gotta be rough. And I, I like your advice of, uh, you, you only determine where you, people sign up before that you get there. So you know, if that's going to happen or it's at least more likely not to happen to you. Man, I've, the first year and a half of blue belt was rough for me. I signed up for so many tournaments. I got so excited and there was nothing. There was nobody. Um, some, like every now and then a girl would agree to go up and wait to compete against me. But, but like 
I got a lot. Fortunately, it stopped right around when around I started training for around three years and up. I didn't get it as much, but I got a lot of people complaining or excuses because of my weight. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to compete against someone who doesn't want to compete. Like, that's not fun for me. I don't, I don't, that doesn't make me feel good about my performance. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of times where I just, I didn't, didn't compete and I was just, all right, I'm just going to be in cheering section now. I'm going to be there for my team. Um, so yeah, I'm, I only do pre-registration that way I know in plenty enough time if I'm actually going to compete or if, okay, fine, there's no one signed up. All right. Support team Tori. I'm gonna go there and be like, cheer my team. Yeah. That's gotta be very disappointing to, uh, yeah. prepare to compete, you know, to, to get, you know, all that extra training and, and preparing your game and tightening up your game and, and to get there and mm-hmm. like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, I couldn't imagine how <laughs> frustrating that is. I know it sounds like a, it sounds like a bummer thing to tell someone like, Hey, Oh my God, you're, this is so exciting. Good luck on your first competition. But you know, you might not do anything just, 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 you know, but don't, but, Luckily, there's more women coming in, more women yeah. training, but um, still at at the higher end and at the lower end, at the really light girls, it, they sometimes they give up a lot of weight just to get a match, and sometimes, um, you know, we we just get nothing. Yeah. So it's um, it, it's a little frustrating. Yeah, and that's I mean, it's kind of a reflection of how hard it is uh, to for women to do jujitsu sometimes because um, mm-hmm. it, the fact that there's not a lot there it, it, it's not that uh it's it's uh it, it's indication of this there's some hurdles in our sport to get people uh or women to do jiu-jitsu and if if we could remove some of those so like groups like the mighty dames is is no doubt helping women um stay on the mats and and and, mm-hmm. and do better long term and, and growing that that portion of of the jiu-jitsu the, the female heavyweight uh, so that that's really great but there are definitely hurdles to to anybody's jiu-jitsu and an indication of uh you know weight classes or divisions not being very full yeah. those people are you're overcoming a lot of hurdles like like you were saying earlier well m- maybe that's a common thing is is all right are my training partners going to complain that i'm smashing them around i'm too big and i don't mm-hmm. want to deal with that that's a hurdle you had to overcome that a lot of people, uh, Absolutely. like the lighter class, the weight class women don't even think about that, but it's one more hurdle no. that you had to get past. It absolutely, it is like in, um, one of the things I did when, um, um, I, I got some, when I first started the group is, um, someone asked me, was like, Oh, so you guys are just complaining about being big. I was like, no, it's kind of, but not really. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's like, we're a part of this community. We love jujitsu like everyone else. And all we're saying is that there are going to be certain things that other people won't have to think about that we ha- that are like a part of our daily thing. Like um, when I first started out, I struggled finding like nogi pants or shorts or something to wear so that like it stayed on me, like physically just stayed on. So my gi pants weren't like falling down all the time or something like that. And I realized like other women were struggling with that too. Or um, like we said, like like the size thing, I, I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to go full weight on someone. I, I, I kid you not, I honestly did not know if that was allowed because I was, I was so much bigger. I mean, I'm bigger than some of the guys at my gym. So I was like, I would ask my coach like, can, can, can I like, like 
we do knee on belly. Do like I actually put my knee on them or do I like hover over it? He looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, no, <laughs> put your knee down. I was like, are you, are you sure? Cause like I didn't, I didn't, I honestly didn't know because I, I didn't want that. Oh, you're heavy. And like you find in women, sometimes they, they worry about that a little bit more than the men do. So, so just imagine that and adding all that weight on it. You're like, oh, man, I don't want, I don't want to be like the big girl who's like bullying all the small people at the gym and okay, let's see if we can deal with that. But through the dames, through meeting, you know, um, other black belt women, um, other brown belts and all the other belts. And they let, they tell you like, girl, no, that's your body. You're allowed to use your body as, as it benefits you to jujitsu, just like the flexible person's allowed to use their body to benefit their game. And the fast person can use their body to benefit your game. Your attribute that you're bringing to this is your weight, is your size, is your strength. Use it. Yeah. And of course you're, I imagine you're doing it at appropriate uh, degrees as far as you, you're not rolling with somebody who um, you go knee and belly and they tap right away. Like, like it's just, you're not trying to overwhelm yeah. anybody, like, especially in training with that, but you know, in, in a competition, it's a Absolutely. competition, but you're, you're being, like, yeah, like we said I'm before, not trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's, and that goes back to the whole being honest thing is like, I'm not here trying to, I'm not trying to hurt anyone seriously. Like, Everyone knows Tori. We're just, let's just do this. I want to learn how to do it right. That's the thing is I didn't, I was, what I was realizing, realizing what was happening is me being so overcautious, I was skipping steps and oh, I wasn't okay. learning technique properly. So yeah. that's what, that's what it was. That's what was happening is like, I didn't realize like where I, like something like neon belly, where I was covering my knee for neon belly was um, higher up on the chest where I was easily being, could get knocked over. I didn't know exactly what was the best position. I realized my leg, the, um, you know, your knees on the belly and one's braced out. I didn't realize the, the knee that I was, my leg that I was using to brace out was way too close to the head because I wasn't really putting my knee on there. I wasn't really you know, doing it. So when I did it for the first time and I got pushed off and swept real quick, I was surprised. So I thought that I'm so big, no one's going to give me off a knee on belly. And really, I wasn't learning the proper technique because I was so overly concerned about weight. Yeah. We, we, we talked a little bit about um, some hurdles in competition and, and not mm -hmm. reflecting your quality of jiu-jitsu to your results. And that's, I think, something that's common mm -hmm. with, with everybody. I know I experienced it. I haven't competed in quite a long time. But uh, <laughs> when I would win, I would think, uh, you know, like that person wasn't as good as Jusu as me. <laughs> like, uh, it, yeah. it, I had an advantage it, that that wasn't the. It didn't feel that great. And then when I would lose, yeah. I would think I didn't. I performed like crap. Like I didn't do a good job. And so yeah. it, it, I would imagine it's when you when you're doing the absolute division and, and you you win or you beat somebody who's significantly smaller than you. That's still a win. And, and it's it's something that you've earned. Yeah. And it's something that and, and when you show up to your own division and there's nobody else there, one mm -hmm. thing you could think of the hard part to to doing jujitsu and especially in in your division and weight class is getting there because look well people that are mm -hmm. not there. So yeah. you did the hard part yeah. already, and, and not and, and yeah. it's important not to discount your wins and not to discount how how mm -hmm. hard you've mm -hmm. been working, even when nobody shows up, because many people have been filtered out just from the process of how hard Jiu Jitsu is. 
Absolutely. That's um that's why I always say um again everyone has their own, you know, thoughts about their quality of jujitsu and their quality of competitors. But um I've always tried to keep a pretty even keel um honest reflection of exactly what I'm doing, win or loss. Um I'll go to my coach, um, except for like examples when I travel out of state to try to, to do, compete. But most of the time when I'm in state, my coach is there and um, I'll look up to him like, so what do you think? And he'd be like, you know, he, if he, he's like, he looks at me like, you did good. Like there's no, that was a solid win. There's nothing you should be. I was like, okay, cool. Because I, res- I respect him a lot. And he doesn't, um, it's not that he doesn't give out praise because he definitely does, but he does not fluff you up. So when he tells me that that was a solid win, I know what he, I know his expectation of a solid win and I take pride in that. And then in myself, I can, I can use that as kind of like a example of like, if I did this well again, it's like, okay, no, that's, you did good there. On the other side, I can beat someone, you know, 20 to zero. He'll look at me like, really? You know, you know, he's like, yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't do this, but I won. He's like, yeah, you won. We'll give you that. You won. So um, I try to have an honest reflection of what I'm doing. And like when I, um, as the match goes on, I make sure that I'm, I'm focused in on, am I doing what I plan to do? Or am I doing what's available? Is it working out? Am I actually trying? You know, um, it sounds a dumb thing to say, but um, I've had times where I kind of checked out mentally and um, just kind of coasted. And I don't want to do that. That's not the type of competitor I want to be. Yeah, that's important to be, able to, yeah, <laughs> to be able to look at even a win and say, I didn't do my best or I could have done something differently that would have been, like you said, you, you won by a whole bunch of points, but you had a couple of opportunities to finish the fight. And uh, yeah. you, you were a little cautious on that, you know. Maybe yeah, that that's the room for improvement there. So but we all, you all, you all, we've all heard the thing, you know. You, you lose, um, at least you get to learn something, you know. But sometimes it's really yeah. important to be able to learn from even a win, and uh, absolutely, and grow from that as well. Absolutely, the same for win or loss. Um, most of the time, like if my coach isn't there, my sister is normally with me. So I have most of my stuff recorded. So after, again, I compete maybe three or four times a year just with work and everything. It's hard for me to really compete a lot. Um, so I go over and I look and see the things that I did. And I use that as a part of my, you know, couple months of training when I, I like kind of can look and like, oh, okay, well, I'm being overly cautious on the feet. There was multiple times here where I could have done this type of takedown. I'm just not pulling the trigger. Like, why am I not pulling the trigger? Or, wow, from here, you really could have transitioned to, you could have passed here multiple, multiple times. Like, what is a feel that you're missing that you didn't, you know, you didn't realize in the heat of the moment that it's, it's an indicator that you could have passed here. So win or loss, I'm looking at that, like, how could I, could I improve? And, um, yeah, so that's, I use that again, going back to like me being oriented and um, needing a system, taking that systematic approach. It's, I'm always looking at little things like that. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great approach. Uh, Tori, we, we've talked a bit about competing and, and you say you don't do it a, a ton. How important is competing to your jujitsu? Is it something that if you're not competing, you don't want to, you don't want to train or is it something that you just do as kind of an extra? Um, hmm, hmm, how do I say that? 
Um, I think for me, I need to compete because I get very, very comfortable and stuck in my ways. You know, I, I, I like things as they are. I don't need a bunch of change, but if I don't compete, I get complacent. And, um, that's why it's actually why I started traveling out of the state to travel yeah. to compete a little bit more because the local scene is the local scene. You, you've, you've competing, competing in someone you've competed against that person a couple of times, you know, you get promoted around the same time. So I, I, um, like this summer I went out to Vegas and did the, um, I did the American open, the American nationals. I was like, all right, well, I don't know any of these people. Let's <laughs> see if it still holds up. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I need to, I don't have, I don't have like this, I always say that I'm a hobbyist at this sport. Like it's a fun thing for me. And whenever it's not fun, I won't do it anymore. So I don't have that like grind where I want to compete every other weekend. Like I can't wait for the next tournament to swing by. It's, it's not that deep, but I do want, I need, I need a way to check myself that it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's not biased. It's not my own reflection. It's not my coach's reflection. It's not my friends or the people I know, you know. I want a honest reflection of my skills at those at this point in time. So that that's what I'm reflecting on, not um, past data, past information. And if I go and compete and I throw myself in that situation against this person I've never seen before, that's I can get an honest assessment of what works and what doesn't work or um, what I should be, what I can um, be adding to my game. Cool. Yeah, good good answer. Um, uh, where do you see the, the Mighty Dames uh, going into the future, what are your plans for that? Well, we're actually um, we're doing a lot of stuff now. It's um, this is uh, we're going into our third year now, which sounds insane to think about. Um, so one of the things the girls have requested is doing a lot more video content. So that's where we're heading. Um, we currently do a um, we do our own merchandise, merchandise. We do our t-shirts. We do rash guards for the plus size big girls. Um, but one of the things they want is they want more, um, discussions with other female heavyweights. They want more, um, topic based conversations. They want, they want to ask a bunch of questions and get, um, answers. They want techniques from bigger girls. So that's what we're doing. We're, um, we just started up our YouTube channel, um, at the Mighty Dames TV and we're we're rolling everything out at the beginning of the year. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Go check that out. Where's a good place for them to uh, find you guys and or reach out? Is it is Facebook the best place or MightyDames.com? Yeah, MightyDames.com is the best place to go if you want to get on that locator map. If you're in, if you're traveling around, you want some information about us as well as get our merchandise. MightyDames.com. If you want to join the community, join the conversations, you want to join our Facebook group, and that's the Mighty Dames um, Big Girl Jujitsu Crew. Um, send a request. We'll approve you in there. The group is for females only. Sorry, guys, you're, you're, we're happy to have you, but, um, it makes them a little bit more comfortable. You don't have to be a female heavyweight to join the Mighty Dames group. We, um, it's not just about being heavyweights. It's about, um, a sense of community about, um, body confidence, body imaging, and, um, promoting a healthy, promoting healthy body image. So any females allowed to um, join that. Our Facebook page, just the Mighty Dames, is a great way just to get a lot of upcoming information to see when we're having those, um, when we're having those live chats, when we're having those discussions, and um, 
the videos will all be up on our YouTube page at Mighty Dames TV. That's awesome. And I definitely appreciate what you're doing uh, for the jujitsu community. Any final words or thoughts you want to share with the audience? No, man. Thanks for having me on here. Um, I always, I love talking to new people about jujitsu, about my journey, their journey, about the Mighty Dames. I'm I love to just talk to people. So this has been fantastic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this has been fantastic. And um, thank you for giving us another platform to just share what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. And I'll put links to everything on the show notes. So thank you so much, Tori. Thank you. Bye. Well, let's uh, uh, thank you, Tori, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, so Gary, let's uh, move on with the show. We've got an article this week. Uh, this part's easy for us because we don't have anything to do. Joseph Marquez wrote an article, um, and it's about yoga and enlightenment and jujitsu. There's a lot in there, but uh, Byron had a chance to have a conversation with him about the interviews, about the article. So let's roll that conversation. All right, my friends, I'm bringing uh, Joseph Marquez to the BJ Brick podcast to help us review the article of the week, which he wrote. And, and you can find this on bjjbrick.com. Uh, thank you for that, Joseph. Uh, Joseph, tell us a little bit uh, about the article. Um, I guess, what's the, what's the title of the article? All right, so the article is called um, Jiu-Jitsu Vedanta, uh, The Four Yogic Paths to Enlightenment. Okay, and I was Joseph. Quick, Vedanta. That's not a word yeah. I'm familiar with. What What is that? Uh, um, Vedanta is a Sanskrit word. It's almost like a philosophy in a way. It's the one way to translate it is the conclusion of the Vedas. The Vedas are just like the ancient um, texts of the Hindus. Okay. Um, and that's the, a compilation of thousands of years of knowledge. And this is kind of like their philosophy and the, what they came up with, their conclusion of all this um, wisdom, essentially. Okay. And, and so you uh, have been interested in this for a while, and also jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. Um, so so yeah. before we get into the article, I guess, what, what, or maybe if it's part of getting into the article, what brought you to think of this, of this as being a, uh, an interesting article like this? Well... For me, in jiu-jitsu, there's a lot of different coaches, different styles. Um, some like the more traditional way of as- aspect of it, where you have to bow in and just completely formal with everything. Um, and that seems to work for some people. And there are some more of the very analytical type, kind of like Donaher, which is, you know, very meticulous, every single detail. And that works for some people if that's your, if you're that kind of student, if you learn that way. And then there's also different other styles. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, well, all these styles really work, but it just depends on the environment and the student itself also. Okay. Um, and so um, this is really for me to become a better teacher or instructor in a way, because I want to become a jiu-jitsu and a yoga teacher uh, and learning different ways of um, teaching uh, and learning the different learning styles of different students, um, the Vedantic way kind of shows me uh, a, a bigger, bigger picture. Um, I guess a wider net of, of it shows you all these different ways of learning and all these ways of teaching. Okay, that makes sense. And so you say that there are four uh, paths here to, to mastery. Um, so can yeah, we go through the, the list the here, kind of? 
yeah, that's more of like the traditional um, breakdown of it. And all these four packs, they can, the way they set it up is any one of these packs can lead to mastery, but also any combination of these packs can lead to mastery. And these packs kind of, um, kind of combine together. Like some, they all overlap essentially. Okay, and, and yeah, I I really appreciate that. And and you mentioned before, part of it depends on the student, part of it depends on the environment you're in. So uh, being able to adapt these and get a combination of these um, is is which what most people are looking for. But really, everybody is a little bit different. Correct. So and what's, the main thing is, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. What's the the main thing? Oh, well, the main thing is, is it's going to be based on your experience. Um, no matter what any book or any teacher or any video shows you, um, the the most important teacher is your own experience. That's that's what the Vedanta is saying. It's like you don't go with dogma. Um, you have to base it on your personal experience. And that 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 were, that's what really got to me because I'm I'm more of that type of uh, mindset. Yeah, I like that. I've never your the most important teacher is your own experience. That's uh, that's yeah. a that's a whole bunch right there. <laughs> that's pretty deep. <laughs> so the the first one, and I and I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, basically, means belief. Yes, uh, it's called bhakti yoga. Um, there's other transliterations and translation of it, but as far as in the jiu-jitsu concept, it's more of a a path of belief and trust. So this would be like you have, let's say you. You have your coach who's a black belt, high-level black belt, and you've seen his results. So you're going to trust what he does. And if the student completely trusts the teacher and the teacher completely trusts trust the student, then that communication, there's going to be direct communication. And that knowledge from teacher to student, that is going to be passed on um, very quickly and without... Um, Without a lot of errors, essentially, because it's it's the um it's almost like the traditional way of teaching something. Like the, the teacher says, "Do fifty arm bars," and the student just like just does it, and without questioning the teacher, they know that it's gonna be it's gonna work for them. So that's kind of like the the first fact of like complete trust. And you see this a lot with a lot of the more traditional. Um, teachers and schools and it does work it's definitely a path but the only thing is if the, you don't have a good teacher or the student isn't kind of in that mindset a question kind of student then that path's not going to work out for that student or that teacher either but it, it does work and it is a path so that's essentially a uh, bhakti yoga or that path of, of mastery and i think here the and i might be totally wrong here but part of it is that the belief in in your instructor uh to me, it would make it easier. So if you have a world-class instructor teaching you things like that, you're not wasting energy and time and just brain space questioning, well, is this really how the best way to do an arm bar or the best way to do this or is this what I should be doing at my time? It's kind of that, um, the belief in that, not necessarily that it's, it does need to be a good source, but just the belief in that should smooth out the whole system. You're trusting somebody to guide you to the right way and, uh, yeah, for sure, because if, uh, if you have a really good instructor and they teach you how to do a, an arm bar the proper way that's gonna, that they know that's going to work for you, um, you, you save so much time on troubleshooting, 
Uh, do I put my foot in the hip? Do I have to angle this way? They got to shift my body weight. What about my grip? Uh, but you have uh, a teacher that's going to be able to do all that correcting for you from the very beginning. Um, you're going to save so much time and energy trying to figure out what's going to work, work for you. Okay. Um, so they, it's going to depend on a really good teacher and a, a student that's going to be able to follow teacher's instruction. So the, the next possible path... Um Basically means knowledge. How do you pronounce that one? Uh, yana yoga. Um, so yes, that is the path of knowledge. This is more of the analytical type of uh, mindset. Like I said earlier, kind of like um, like a, a John Donahue type, or um, even kind of like a Matt Bowen type from SBG. Uh, they have a very analytical way of breaking things down, um, and they don't. This is almost kind of like the opposite of Bhakti yoga. Most of the stuff that they, they find, they have to scientifically analyze it and figure it out for themselves to make sure that it works. And they got to test it and test it and do trial and error to figure out which approach, which way it's going to work. And they're also very open to other methods of doing things, but they're also not just going to believe it because they saw in a YouTube video and it worked for them. They have to test it out, make sure it works, and if it you know, if it works in competition, then it's most likely going to work. So that's going to be their test. Their test is going to be doing sparring and competition, whether an actual technique or concept is going to be valid for them or not. Okay. Yeah, uh, that makes sense to me as far as uh, yana, yana Yoga. How did you pronounce that again? <laughs> yeah, 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 Yana Yoga. Okay. And I urge everybody to go check out the article. Um, you did a really good job of uh, breaking these down. Um uh, the the next one is in the category of work. Mm-hmm. So this one is called karma yoga. Karma literally means work, um, but in this con- context, it is work. It, it's, it's doing the work without seeking the immediate reward of the work. So you're just doing work for the work's sake. So you're. This would be for the jiu-jitsu player who goes in there and just drills and drills and drills and doesn't worry about whether, you know, he's, he's not worried about the belt. This, this, this person's not worried about the belt. He just goes into the, the gym, gets in there, and trains and works. He's also someone who's um, willing to help other people. This is kind of like um, they have a concept of good karma, bad karma. Um, so he's willing to work with everybody and anybody that's in the gym. That's willing to work with him also. So this person is kind of like... Uh, uh, it, 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 it's, it's the guy who's in your gym that everybody likes to roll with, essentially. Because he just likes to go in there and train and train and train. And no matter who you are, no matter uh, what level you are, he's still going to train with you or she's going to train with you. So this is kind of that person who just trains just for the joy of training um, and doesn't seek any, any reward as well. Uh, I mentioned in the article that this also... Uh, in the unselfish nature of it, it's kind of like most coaches. They share all this knowledge to all the students. Um, essentially, unselfish. Yes, yet they're getting paid for it, but they're not. Most of them aren't really just doing it for the money. Most of them are there to to help out the students in the community. Um, so that's a kind of work that they're putting in. They're investing all this time, years of energy, and they're not looking for the immediate like payback or the immediate reward for it. They're just doing it because that's what they like to do and they like just helping people. So that is kind of the 
uh, karma yoga way of uh, jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so these first three are, I, I think I'm grasping them pretty well, uh, work. So it's the jiu-jitsu person who goes out there, trains hard, works with you know with everybody, gets the mat time in there, the, mm-hmm. the, the knowledge base, somebody who's always wanting to get more and more knowledge about, about things and, and, and figure out the best way to do something. They're seeking that uh, you know, information all the time. And, and belief it would be somebody who uh, uh, trusts their instructor or structure the knowledge source and, um, and has kind of uh, made the, the, the path towards um, success or the, the path towards uh, mastery uh, through mm-hmm. that person. So what would the, the last one be? And not that I say last, um, like they're in, they're in order because they're written down, and when you write things down, they have to put yeah. but either it's not like you do this first and second. Like you said, you could take one of these the whole way to mastery, or you could take parts or combinations of them. There's no real order here. But what, what, on the list here, uh, what is the last yeah. one that you have up here? Well, the other one is called uh, Raja Yoga. Um, Raja means king. Um, this is essentially the way of complete control and concentration of your body. Um, in yoga, the Raja approaches through meditation, and in order for you to be able to meditate, you have to be able to still your mind. In order to still your mind, you got to be able to still your body. So a lot of the, I guess, the more traditional yoga, yoga postures of asana, where you sit down cross-legged and you do all these physical exercises, you do that, you're able to control your body. Um, if you're able to control your body, then you'd be able to uh, be able to make your body still. And if you can still your body, then you can finally still your your mind and your breath. And then once you can unite them together, and they're all perfectly aligned, then you have a lot of focus. And almost anything that you want to do, you're able to achieve it um, because you have that extreme focus and concentration into it. And so, so this one, um, and I'm, I'm maybe just not interpreting it correctly, but this might be uh, a more. Well, you mentioned like flow state. So when um, it could be while you're you're rolling and, and training, is that mm-hmm. correct? So like you're not necessarily correct. thinking about anything, but your body's doing uh, what it should be doing, uh, just because you're yeah. in that zone, I guess. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just like people call you're being in the zone. You're in zen. Um, a lot of times when you're in competition and when you're rolling. Um, you hit all these moves, and it seems like you are not the person doing the move. You're the person kind of like, you're almost having an out-of-body experience, and you're watching yourself do all these moves. Um, that comes with the complete alignment of your body, mind, and your consciousness being together, uh, according to Vedanta, it's because you're so focused, you're so unified, everything is one, that all the distractions that's really not you, they go away, and you just completely one. Like, I guess the whole one with the universe, essentially. That's what they're saying with Samadhi, with, with the yogic um, version of the highest state of meditation, is the whole world goes away and you just become one with the universe, essentially. Um, but yeah, with jiu-jitsu and with any uh, moving meditation or sports, you see this in other sports too, when uh, in basketball with Michael Jordan, when you see him just falsely uh doing, uh, you know, playing and other, other sports as well and other competitors, other MMA artists, they even say that they don't even remember the fight or after a match, after rolling, it's like, I don't even remember doing that, but that person ended up winning, you know? Um, 
until they watched the video. I was like, yeah, yeah, that was me. But during the match, they were somewhere else. They were just like watching it, you know? Hmm. Um, so it, it, I guess it is, it is a bit... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit difficult to, to explain unless you've actually been there in that yeah. whole state. I think it makes sense as far as we've like just think of the opposite. Um, you know, you and I are rolling, and I'm uh, dead set on trying to get an armbar, and so I'm really, I'm really like armbar. I gotta get this, gotta get this. Like it's all you know, meticulous. I'm, I'm really, uh, I have that one thing I want to do. I'm really thinking about. It. I'm con- yeah. a little bit versus. I'm just doing jujitsu. I'm, I'm, I'm making things happen that I want to have happen. And, and I'm not like my, maybe the analytical brain is less involved. Is that, is that at all accurate? <laughs> no, no, that, that makes sense. Because the opposite of that would be, I'm thinking about my grip. I'm thinking yeah. about my breathing. Am I doing this? Am I doing this? I'm going through my checklist, which is a good approach too. Yeah. But when you have this state of zen, you just, boom, arm bar. It's already done. Didn't have to think about it; it just happened. So we we kind of so, have ran through this, and 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 definitely, uh, you know, good job on on the article, and, and urge everybody to go uh, read it. It's it's I think it's a good way to kind of learn about ourselves and how we learn. Uh, Joseph, if you had to to pick a combination or a path that has had helped you the most, um, what would you say? Well, well, for me, um, well. Different parts of your life, you're going to be at a different path. So, with jujitsu, it started with um, Raja Yoga, which is more of the physical concentration aspect of it. Um, but lately, I'm more in the path of Yana Yoga, which is more of the analytical, kind of like knowledge based approach to it. Um, and, and depending on where I am in my life, once I realize everything, it might be. Uh, that formal bhakti yoga, since I realized what's going to work with us, and I can just follow that path and stay with it. Um, and even karma yoga, too, depending on, you know, where I am in my life and, 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 and how I feel and how, how realized I am. Um, but, you know, that's easier said than done. Uh, but as of right now, I'm definitely more on the raja and the yana yoga part of things. Um, but, you know, it's it, it, all these... All these work for everybody. You got to figure out yourself what you are more keen doing in your personality, and kind of go with that path and find other people that are going to be able to uh, kind of help you out along that way. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. Uh, we're going to change. Like I see myself in in all of these as far as like uh, the belief one. Like a lot of times when we have a, a seminar, I go to a seminar. Uh, it, that person, I need to. If you just buy into what they're what they're saying and what they're showing, and it, like exactly. you learn a lot better than if you question. Well, does that really work? And like, and then yeah. the, the knowledge phase. I don't think that that's necessarily the perfect phase for somebody brand new or somebody who hasn't even hit the mats yet. Like, you, it's hard to go out and learn more. Like, you should be buying a, a triangle choke DVD if you've yet to start jujitsu. Like, that knowledge isn't going to help you very much <laughs> until you've just been, <laughs> yeah. got some mat time. And and, and the work yeah. one is one that we've all have to experience. I think is just get out there and, and put in some some more rounds. And and that's a time that that I know I've experienced a lot of growth. Is just just get some more mat time. If if it was going to be you know 
30 minutes of rolling, if I can update to 40 minutes of rolling, I know I'm going to, to grow and, and develop uh, better jujitsu. And yeah, and, and the concentration, that's one that is, uh, it's an enjoyable place to be as far as, yeah. it, it also, for me, it requires the right uh, training partner to help get me there. Uh, but uh, and, and usually that concentration part, that that's one of the hardest ones to attain because it kind of needs a combination of all the other ones put together almost. So, okay. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. Yeah, like 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 the samadhi portion of yoga, that is like the highest state of that Raja yoga. That is that 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 is kind of the goal. But yeah, everybody's on their own path and you know, um I'm glad everybody here, I guess if you're listening to this, it's they're on the path of jujitsu, which is which is a great, great, great path to be in. Cool. And I and I do appreciate you sharing this uh with us today and, and these are for for yoga paths that I had no idea <laughs> even were there, so uh, it's great to have somebody like you come from from some you come from two different places, you know, the jiu-jitsu world and and the yoga world, and you also have a a, a good background in Muay Thai. But um, it, it it's great to have you here uh, sharing this. So thank you so much. All right, thank you, Byron. You know, Joe, we always talk about, and actually, before I even go on, the way we met Joe, Byron, and I met Joe. Joe basically listened to this uh, uh, podcast, and he would write some articles, and and uh, we would find them online. Or I think that's how we got our first one. Didn't we just find it online, or did you send it to us? No, I, I sent it to you. Okay, okay. We would ask people uh, if you're listening to uh, send us an article, and and Joe sent us one, and one led to two, and two led to three, and three led to four, and pretty soon we're like, let's have Joe on to talk about it, kind of like what Joe did, uh, or what Byron did here with Joe. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've noticed, uh, Joseph has talked to us on other part, other things here before, but, um, if you happen to listen to this show, if you do like to write about jujitsu or, or, you know, anything, you know, the right mindset, yoga, anything, uh, you know, send us one. We'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to, uh, we'd rather have an article from one of our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We, we usually troll the, the other big sites and look for articles, but, Man, if we can get one from one of our listeners, that would be great. So, uh, send them in, and uh, if you don't, you don't have to be on the show if you send one in. We'll just talk about it amongst ourselves. But yeah. if you'd like to be on the show, man, we'd love to uh, get your article, and one of the three of us uh, will get together with you and have a short conversation. Yep. And you know, I will tell you one thing too: is I actually read this article last night, and um, I had had a. Uh, been a little tired. I had done jujitsu in the morning and then I hit a leg workout with some cardio in the afternoon and boy, was I beat up and, uh, you know, everything was just sore on me and, and I just happened to read uh, Joseph's article on, on the BJJ brick, uh, uh, website or Facebook page, one of the two, I can't remember where, but as soon as it was over, I started Googling yoga for Brazilian jiu-jitsu videos and I know he wasn't necessarily just talking about yoga for Brazilian jiu-jitsu he was talking about the the four paths in, in jiu-jitsu but uh, so afterwards I uh, found a, a video online and, and I did uh, like 30 minutes of yoga and felt so much better and it's something I do need to incorporate into my workout uh, more often but uh, it was just crazy because I was so beat up and I just happened to read that article and that article led me to doing something good for my body so uh uh, thank you, Joseph. Man, that's awesome. Next, we'll start a podcast for the uh, the yoga brick. 
The yoga brick. I mean, don't they have the, what are those little, yeah, the yoga brick. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, if you can't stretch all the way, somebody like me, who's not the most flexible? Or, okay, you're, you don't know what I'm talking about. I have so, no idea, yeah. Gary. Oh, well. <laughs> Speaking of not knowing what I'm talking about, um, Joe, don't you have a life lesson for us this week? Speaking of not knowing what you're talking about. Yeah, actually, I do. We do a life lesson each week. And uh, so throughout the week, I'm kind of thinking about things that might be applicable. And I ran across a YouTube video the other day that I'd actually watched before. Uh, maybe two years ago, I, I bought a new guitar. And I'm on a budget. If, Joe. Yes. Real quick. Man, I learn more stuff about you all the time. You know, Joe, if you don't know, is a 52-year-old jiu-jitsu practitioner. He also is a skateboard person. Uh, I don't know what you call it, skateboard artist, skateboard athlete. He, Joe is a, is a sea captain. Um, and then I find out you play the guitar. Joe, you're a man of uh, mystery, uh, many talents. Man, I was okay with man of mystery, but when you say many talents... I do those things, but I don't do them well. And on top of that, you're a podcaster, so uh, man, you got a lot going on. But sorry for interrupting. Yeah, that was just one thing I didn't know about you. There we go. The most interesting man on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> Any, anyway, Gary, I was shopping for a guitar a couple years ago, and I'm kind of on a budget, so I don't spend thousands of dollars on guitars. If our listeners know anything about guitars, you'd be familiar with the brand Gibson and the brand Epiphone. And what these two brands have in common is they're made largely out of the same parts. You know, they come from the same suppliers. They're even to an extent made in some of the same factories. And they have the same models, basically. There's the Gibson Les Paul and the Epiphone Les Paul. And the Gibson is the higher end of the two models. Uh, if you are not familiar with guitars, but you think about cars, uh, in GM they have Chevy and they have Cadillac. Uh, made at some of the same factories, made of some of the same parts, but the Cadillacs have a better fit and finish, uh, maybe some better performance options, and of course they're more expensive. So while I was shopping for a guitar, I ran across a video of these guys that were comparing the lowest end, the most affordable Gibson, with the most expensive Epiphone. Would be like taking the most expensive Chevy sedan against the Cadillac and um, so just looking at the two guitars of course the more expensive Epiphone actually looks better it's got uh, uh, better visuals you know better options it's got binding on the fretboard and binding around the body and, and better hardware and so as these two people review the two guitars when they talk about the, the pickups, they talk about the hardware, they talk about the uh, electronics and the switches and the, and the tone and volume control knobs, everything they talk about, like the Epiphone is actually winning as they're, they're comparing these features. But then when they get to the end of it, they're both like, but the Gibson just feels like a Gibson. It just feels better. It's, it's weighted, it's balanced, it's, it's more playable. Um, they're, they're talking about the tone that most of us can't hear the difference between the two and so as the video was playing i'm like oh yeah i gotta get the epiphone it sounds like a better guitar for the price and then you get to the end but they're like no the gibson is a gibson and it finally occurred to me that the two guys that were doing the review one of them is a music store owner 
who's probably played thousands of guitars, and the other is a professional musician in a heavy metal band who may not have played as many guitars, but he's played guitars for thousands of hours. So their ability to to kind of sense or feel the difference between the lower-end guitar and the more expensive Gibson is beyond me. And so it doesn't make any sense for me to spend an extra $500 for an experience I can't really appreciate. Now, if I was a professional musician, maybe. So I ended up buying the Epiphone, and I'm happy with it. And I thought about how that relates to our jujitsu, and I kind of just thought the uh, the cost benefit analysis for like private lessons and things of that nature. Um, we have a guy at our school that teaches private lessons for thirty bucks an hour for as many hours as you want to take. He's a purple belt. Awesome. He's a great teacher. Now I could go to Houston and I could find any number of people that would charge me a hundred plus dollars an hour. And so you have to kind of make that determination about, is it worth the extra money? Now, if I'm paying 150 bucks an hour to trade with somebody because I really want to meet them, and that happens sometimes, that's fine. But if I'm just trying to get better at jujitsu, I've got to decide which is better for me, and I'm not good enough to poo-poo this guy at my school that does 30 bucks an hour. That's, that's the path I'm picking. How about you, Gary? You know, I, I love it that you say that, and you have brought that up before um, about that it's okay to take a private from a purple belt because there are people who have different opinions. And, you know, I've heard people say, you know, the only person to take a, a private from is a black belt or, or you know, this and that. But I am 100% with you, Joe. Um, I just think uh, differences in teaching. Um, some people – the belt really doesn't make you a great teacher. Um, somebody had, you don't have to have a black belt to have a great skill set in something that I need to know. Um, you know, I've even taken a, a private from a, a guy who's never really even trained jujitsu. He was a, he's a wrestler, and I kind of used like, you know, talk to him about positions I would get in and how a, you know wrestling related what a wrestler would do from that position too um and that was one of the better uh privates i've ever taken but um i, I totally agree with you I, i've seen a lot of purple belts i've seen blue belts brown belts uh you know black belts i mean it doesn't matter the belt it's you know getting your value out of it um, some people may not have a lot of extra money but they they want to get better find yourself a solid purple belt at your school or in town who will um uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot, a lot cheaper, uh, something that maybe you can afford and, and you'll probably still learn just as much. So um, I, I think that's a great uh, point you made there, Joe. So, Gary, tell me about this wrestler. Was he uh, a collegiate champion or was it somebody you met through the gym or what was no, it? It's, it's, uh, he basically wrestled low level college, you know, nothing spectacular, but um, he Really, he started just jujitsu and really didn't know anything about it. But um, you know, he had been coaching a kids' club and wrestling. But it really helped my game out. It's just, uh, it was almost like starting over in something. You know, it's kind of a a different um, different way of thinking. And you know, I'm really big into uh, you know trying a lot of different things. I mean, Byron and I one time we were even talking about doing a uh, uh, kung fu class. And just to see if we could get anything out of it that would help us in the wrestling business, um, you know, or not the wrestling business, in the jiu-jitsu business. So I don't know. I just think that I can learn 
you know, from so many different arts, but I, I do think jujitsu and wrestling, uh, you know, they cross over so much that, you know, I'm so used to the jujitsu mindset and the jujitsu teaching that, uh, you know, I can learn a ton from wrestling. And, and back when my boy was wrestling, I never missed a practice. And, you know, most of the other dads would go there. Dads or moms would go to watch their kid practice and see if their kid wins in practice and this and that. Not me. I was never watching my kid. I was watching the instruction. And uh, I would bring that instruction back to the mat when I was doing jujitsu. And, uh, you know, my, my game was really skyrocketing at that point because I felt like I was getting, you know, three free wrestling practices a week. Nice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I might have to force my kid or to go back to do it so I can get some more, <laughs> more free practice. <laughs> you cannot beat free practice, man. You got that right. So if you like the show, um, and I, I assume if you're listening to it, you do jujitsu and and you do like the show, go ahead and tell a friend. Uh, easy way to do that is to share it on social media. We're all over Facebook, so uh, give us a share there. Give us a like. Uh, but yeah, just tell a friend. Yeah, tell your friends, uh, share it. That's the best form of flattery we can get. It's going to get more people listening to us. And really, tell them about this episode, um, you know, The Mighty Dames, um, episode 331. This is probably one of our better episodes, like we said earlier, because Byron's not on it. So um, this would be a good one to share with your friends. Um, speaking of friends, our Patreon supporters, um, you know, we owe so much to you guys. You guys have helped us helped us through a lot of stuff. You have helped us put on events. You have helped us when our when our website got hijacked. But um, we have a link in the show notes if you do want to uh, support the show for a buck a show or whatever, which is what a lot of our Patreon supporters do. Um, check it out. Um, you will get access to our private Facebook group. You will get a uh, gee patch a sticker. And I'm not sure if we still have any of the uh, uh, OG, the legacy. Uh, Byron calls it a legacy. I call it a throwback patch. But if we still have some of those, uh, we'll throw that in there, too. But, uh, you know, a big thank you to all our listeners and all our Patreon supporters. Yeah, I call that the patch without the good-looking guy. But um, anyway. We Wait, do. I'm on that patch, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do appreciate our... Uh, our Patreon supporters, and we appreciate everybody that supports the show and listens to us. As always, my friends, stay sweaty. And don't forget to shower. Don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It does look like I remember to press record, so. (laughs) (laughs) If you would have said no, I'd be like, oh, crap. (laughs) We probably would have been better the second time.